Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today was one of those days where we got off the recording and we said, holy cow, this is why we do this thing. It's the one and only, the Enterprise Director of Sales, it's Marissa Bell from Figma. Nick, why should people listen? Marissa does a phenomenal job holding her customer accountable. And so if you're a salesperson who feels like you're doing most of the work, the majority of the work, you're dragging the deal along, Marissa has some really good ways to engage economic buyers, make sure your customer does the stuff that they need to do to get to deal to the finish line. And so we're going to have to have her back for a round two eventually. Three, two, one. Here's round one. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to draw drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. 
Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. All right, Marissa, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Sounds good. My first actionable takeaway is being in integrity with Medic, meaning it is really important in Medic to make sure you have the right who saying the proper what. Medic is all about who is saying what, and that is what is driving your deal forward. And so it's critical as a rep that you're going into your deals and thinking about who is telling you the information. If someone who is two people below the line is telling you something, it is probably not actually the information you want to hear from the proper what. So going into your deals, identifying who is saying the information is critical to making sure you keep your deals on track. Beautiful. What's number two? The second one is it's important to go back to basics in your deals. What I find is there are so many tips that we're learning as sales reps, which is really awesome to progress our deals forward. And as a result of that, we sometimes miss the basics. And so there are four things I recommend my reps keep in mind on all of their deals. First is always set an agenda. Second is hold introductions when relevant. Third is always schedule a next call while you are on the current call. And the fourth is remembering to schedule a weekly call with your champion as you're progressing your deals forward. Beautiful. What's number three? Round us out. The third one is never lose a deal alone and never win a deal alone. We know the data tells us that when you work with a team, you close bigger deals and you close them faster. And what I've found is our best reps leverage all the resources around them. And it doesn't stop at just their manager. It can be their sales engineer, their PMM team. It could be their legal team. We just had a call with our legal team yesterday with a customer and we were trying to schedule the next step and the customer denied us. And then our legal team requested the call again and said, Hey, I have my calendar open. I'm happy to do any time that works for you. And they locked in a three hour call with us for the next week. So it's really powerful to leverage your team. And don't forget that you have people around you to help you out. Awesome. So Marissa, first question for you. Let's go back to the whole concept of being integrity with medic, in particular, getting the right person to validate what you need to get a deal done. So oftentimes what will happen is I might get involved with a frontline manager in the marketing team, right? And they're going to give me what I think is all of medic. They're going to be like, this is the biggest pain in the world. We have budget for this thing. I know how to get this deal done. What do I do in that moment? When I think I might be getting a story that sounds like buying signal, but it's coming from the wrong person in the organization. It is tempting when a customer is giving you time to want to give it back to them, but it is critical to ask yourself, do they carry influence and do they have any authority within their organization? And so it is important to test the person and see if they actually can help you move your deal forward. And if not, know that. Like if they are your coach or they are someone else in the organization that can provide insight into your deal, that's fine. But it's important for you as the rep to know that and set the proper expectations with yourself to know how this person can be used as a part of the deal. And so if you built up this relationship with the person, you can ask them, hey, have you bought products in the past before? 
or who ultimately signs off on this product? Or, hey, in the past, I've, when we've gone through legal reviews, we've typically had to negotiate on indemnity and liability caps. How has your team handled that in the past? Like getting really specific and asking about the process and if they don't have the answers. And hopefully by now, if you've built a relationship or you've built up enough pain and they know that this is something they want to move forward with, they'll give you the recommendation. And you as the rep should probably be doing account planning on the back end and thinking who who else could be a part of this conversation. And if you're starting to sense that this person you're talking to doesn't have the answers, you can ask like, hey, how is X a part of this process? And hopefully they can give you some insight. So when I was a rep, I remember my manager would ask me all these questions in a pipeline review and I would just start to sweat and then I would walk away. And eventually I realized that there was a pattern to their questions of things that were, they were looking for as hotspots in a deal. And I was able to reverse engineer my sales process based on the questions that they were asking me that would oftentimes blow up a deal. So Marissa, if we take a step back, you're a director of enterprise sales over at Figma. I'm curious, are there certain hotspots in a deal that you will consistently poke into with your reps that reps listening right now can take and implement into their sales process? Yes, I definitely do. I have three. And it and I would say my three are dependent on what we're seeing at Figma. And so it, your three could be different for your company. Figma is a product-led growth company. We are blessed with people who love our product. And because of that, we typically are hurt by the fact that we're talking to coaches versus champions. And so for us, the three things I look at are, do we actually have a champion, someone who has influence and authority? That's the first one. The second is, do we have an EB? And not just do we know the person's name, but this is the integrity with Medic Peace. It is, have we actually met them, whether it's on a phone call or they've responded to an email? And the third is the decision process. Specifically, do we have a mutual plan in place that is agreed upon by the customer? And we are saying we are both signing by this date. If we don't have those three things, and I will always ask those three things, then I know we just have a little bit more work to do. And that's fine. The white space is fine. This is then the compass for what we need to go track down next. But those are the three things that I that I always ask about. So Marissa, let's talk about that first bucket, which is fascinating. And then I want to go to the EB bucket. So a lot of people will say, I have a champion, right? And the reason they'll say, I have a champion is because they can influence a decision in theory. That term gets bastardized at times because in theory, a marketing analyst can influence a decision that is made at the CMO level, but their likelihood of influencing that decision is extremely, extremely low. So can you unpack how you know if someone is both influential and authoritative in an organization? Yeah, I think I can give a specific deal we're working on now where they have proven that they are a champion. The first is they are always willing to hop on a call and specifically like commit to a weekly call and then also do ad hoc calls. So that's the first. The second that differentiates potentially a coach from a champion is they are willing to bring in their boss. And that is so powerful. Uh, the third is they are able to set calls with cross-functional members to attend that call. And for this deal in specific, there were probably 20 people on this call that we had yesterday because the champion put his neck out to do it and they did it for him. That was so huge. I'd say those are three big ones. There's other ones on like if they know the process and you can test them. Those are like the most immediate that are easy to do 
today. You can say, hey, who else is a part of this process? Hopefully they know. Okay, great. Let's set a call with them as we're working towards getting this finalized. So that's a really big call, 20 people on a call. And I have to imagine that the way that you prepare for that call and the way that you run that call is quite different than a first discovery call where you're one-on-one with somebody. So can you tell me about the prep and then the way that you run that 20-person big call? Yes. I am big on always have an intended outcome for every call you have. I am big, big on that. I think it's critical, not only for yourself, but when you bring in other people to join your call as well. So for us, we had an intended outcome we needed to have coming out of this call, which was let's schedule a next call that was this three hour like red line deep dive with this customer. So that was one. The second in terms of prep is make sure you're aware of the time because it is going to go by quickly when you have 20 people on a call and you only have 30 minutes is likely you're going to get off track. The third that we thought about is like, let's just dive into it. Let's not do the like 20 people introduce themselves like that eats into so much of the call. So I think the prep piece is really key. And then when you're on the call there for this particular call, it was to review like high level red lines. So it different than maybe like if you're doing a discovery or like a presentation with an EB with 20 people. In this particular one, we had teed up our champion. Our champion was in lockstep with what needed to happen on this call. So that helped us get right into it. And then what the rep did really well is 15 minutes into the call said, hey, 15 minute time check. And then when we had 10 minutes left, hey, we have 10 minutes left. And when there were three minutes left, say, hey, like we have three minutes left. And when we had three minutes left, we started talking about next steps. And we did that when we were on the current call. So those were just some things about this one that went really well. And it all comes down to the prep and then executing on the plan when you're actually with everyone. So this is also one way that team selling is critical is my guess is you are not 1v20 taking on that room on your own. My guess is you have a sales engineer who's probably running demo and you're working the room. Can you talk about how you work that room and what that overall team selling dynamic feels like in that 20-person meeting? Yep. On this particular one, there were five of us on our side, only two people spoke live on the call. But I will say on the back end, we are in a team Slack channel, literally slacking, volleying, being like, hey, you take this. Or like when we are saying something, we're like hyping the person up, being like, you are like you are a rock star. You got this because that's it's stressful when you're in this environment and you want to like boost the people up around you. So I think that part is key. I've also seen reps literally texting their champion during the call being like, hey, are we on track? The trust that you build with your cross-functional members is key and not taking it for granted and then explaining the why it was so impactful afterwards. A legal person asking their counterpart legal person on the customer side for a call is so much more powerful than a salesperson asking for that call. And us explaining the why behind that to our partners is so key because they want to help you out. We're all on the same team. And so, yep, I think that part is really important. Just to bring this full circle as a rep, I feel like my job is to pull the customer in to the conversation and push my team strategically into the conversation as well. And so pulling the customer in looks like engaging key people in the room who are sitting quiet because I know who's important in that deal cycle. But Marissa, to your point earlier, you talked about getting your legal team to ask for next steps. 
there are certain things that as a rep, I know I need to ask for. But if you have your Slack open, I will ping someone else to ask for it because it comes out more meaningful. So I'll ping the legal person to push for that call, just like you mentioned. Or you might ping your engineer to talk about something technical, even if you know the answer, but because it comes from someone technical and not a seller, it sounds way better and people actually trust the message. And so Marissa, oftentimes what'll happen towards the end of this call is it gets a little bit tricky because you have a 20 person call, you have a bunch of people from your side, 10 minutes in, you're probably slacking your sales engineer, whoever it is saying like, hey folks, time check. I need at least five minutes to do a debrief at the end. How do you wrap up this massive call with 20 people? Yep. I think a lot of it is rooted in hard pivots. Um, but the way you can do that is by expressing gratitude and saying, hey, Thank you all so much for the conversation with just about five minutes left. I know the point of the call today was to go through XYZ thing. I want to make sure we can talk about some next steps or talk about these other things that we talked about as a goal of the call at the top of this time together. So let's go into that. And if we need to find more time to discuss what we have just been talking about, let's let's do that as well. But I think it's expressing gratitude, being comfortable to disrupt, and then moving forward with what you need to do because you have to stay in the driver's seat on your deal and you you have to do what you need to do on that call. So let's just pretend that this call has ended and I've done a good job. I have a champion. I don't have a coach. And I do a debrief call with my champion. My guess is you need to understand how that call went and start to understand what else is left to unblock. Can you talk about the post big team call debrief with your champion and what should be covered there? Yeah, I think you you ask how they thought it went and then you get their honest understanding of based off of everything you've heard and we've talked about this mutual plan in place to get this done by X date, where do you think we are? And you kind of map out all the remaining things, which is why medic or whatever qualification framework you have at your company is so critical. It literally is the blueprint. It's simple, but it's really robust. And so if you can help your champion understand what's left because they might not know either, especially for a PLG company uh, or any company, like oftentimes these champions have never bought something before. They need you to guide them. That's the role of a salesperson is you are their guide. And so I think you you get their honest understanding of how the call went. You ask what the conversations were like, express your gratitude for their support, and then you map out the rest of the things that need to happen in the process and make sure you're on track to do that. This might happen earlier in your sales process, but you previously talked about doing weekly meetings with your champion. And I'm wondering if you can explain how do you introduce the concept of that to your champion, having a reoccurring meeting, and then what you actually do in those weekly meetings? What's the agenda for those? Yep. Once you are at a certain phase with your customer and they want to evaluate your product and they want to work towards a certain timeline, it's important that you help them hit their goals. And in order to hit their goals, a weekly call is the best way to stay on track. It really is. Otherwise, it is going to unravel. Something is going to happen. And so as the sales rep, it is your job to help your customer understand this and explain the why. So it's it's as simple as saying, Hey, Mr. Champion, 
I am so excited to work with you on this project. What I've seen to help keep us on track is let's schedule a weekly call, just 10, 15 minutes every week to see how we're progressing. I've found that things can unravel, especially towards the end when we start going through legal and security. So let's have this as a placeholder. If we don't need it, of course, we can always cancel, but let's hold this and find time to chat every week. And I was doing this with one large financial institution and we met every Wednesday and this deal never seemed like it was going to close. But because we had this time every Wednesday, even if he had nothing to tell me on that call, I had the chance to ask uncomfortable questions and no one wants to be uncomfortable. So then he moved the deal forward and would do things. And sometimes it got to a point that he he was the kindest, but he would do things and give me the email update to say, hey, I pushed this forward. We don't need to have the call today. So I think, you know, it really, it really was a helpful tool. It's very hard to ask. It might seem uncomfortable, but it is a good test. And if someone does do this, it can keep your deal on track. It makes all the difference. Uh, especially as a quarter comes to a close. So let's say that we've been doing our weekly calls. We've had a series of discovery calls, demos. We've done the big team demo, but we still haven't explicitly engaged power. So Marissa, you talked about it's critical that you at least have a clear response, written response from power, or you have directly spoken to power. So let's say we get to the point where the champion might be comfortable introducing you to the CMO or whoever it is in this case, right? If you're at the tail end of a deal cycle, what's the right way to engage with power at the end? Yep. I think in a perfect world, you engage the EB at the beginning. That's the perfect world because there aren't any asks in the beginning. You're just saying, hey, I'm the executive on my side. It's a pleasure to meet you. Really appreciate you allowing your team to spend time evaluating our product. Because at the end of the day, this person's team is spending time evaluating your product and they should know that and you can express gratitude. So I think that's the ideal world. I think that's easier said than done because sometimes you don't know who the EB is in the beginning. So in those instances where it's at the end, We've tried a couple things at Figma. One is ideally your champion tells you who the EB is. If they do that, then you can have your executive on your side send an email saying, really appreciate your sponsorship. Thank you so much. Your team XYZ person has been a pleasure to work with and give your champion a little bit of kudos. And if there's an ask, you'd say, would love to hop on a call, understand your vision for 2023. Like, I think those are all things you can say in that email if you have the person's name. Um, we've also tried, uh, if we don't get the person's name, we have burned ourselves in the past by emailing the wrong person. And so what I would say not to do is don't go blindly emailing the highest C-level person because it could actually hurt you more than help you. So I would definitely recommend asking your champion. And if your champion doesn't give you a name, but you're still trying to figure things out, use your network, go on LinkedIn, see who's following your company, see who's a third party connection. We are literally doing this with a deal right now. We're trying to close an organization by the end of the year. And our VP of communications is connected to someone who's an executive on our customers team. So we're going to have her send a note to say, hey, we're would love your guidance. We're working towards a partnership this year. Any insight you have would be really helpful. So use the team around you when all else fails with, with what your champion is telling you. So let's say you get access to that executive and they don't just reply and say, okay, they say, sure, 
I'm open to meet with you, whether at the beginning or at the later part of the deal cycle. Let's assume we're not asking for a negotiation or a price concession or anything like that right now. We're still in the process of trying to get power involved or on board, right? You usually get 30 minutes at most with a C-level executive, especially in the enterprise. How do you typically run that call? When I have done this call, and we just did this for uh, a six-figure deal that closed this quarter, is the beginning is learning about them. And it's typically one-to-one, though if the rep wants to be there, that's okay. But I think the one-to-one is just more human and comfortable. So in this one, I introduced myself. I said, I've been here for over two and a half years. I work with largest the largest of organizations, and we're thrilled for the opportunity to work with you as well. I say, I'd love to learn more about you and your what are, what are your priorities going into 2023? And they just talk. And then you ask, you do your own discovery and you ask questions and say, wow. And it has nothing to do with Figma. It is everything to do with them. And you show genuine interest. And then from there, you can pivot probably like 12 minutes in to awesome. So we are in the midst of this evaluation and we're hoping to finalize by the end of this year. I'd be curious, like, what's your take on how things are going so far? And that's like a really nice pivot into your product itself. And then at the end, in this particular call, this person was so visionary. And I said, I would love to have you come speak to our team. We have annual conferences. It would be so great to have you speak on stage. Like there's just so much good work I think we could do together. And this person, I knew that he likes to speak. So it was, it was a good moment in time to say, we would love to do that. And what I was also doing in this particular call is planting roots for an upsell. We sell multiple products now at Figma. So I said, there's so much more we could do with FigJam. I would love the opportunity to explore that with you. And so the goal was to get together after Thanksgiving. And so that, I think that call could just be so, it's so important for both locking in your deal, establishing relationship, and hopefully upselling for the future if you have multiple products. So that call went well. What do you do when you ask the question, I'd love to hear how your take on how things are going. And they say, well, I don't really know what you do or where things are. What do you do when they like need reorientation around everything? What's your approach there? I have had that too. I think it is, it is the, for me, and it is a, it is a style thing, but I think being human in that moment is the most important thing. In this, in one particular instance, I, was under the impression that this person knew they were going to be spending $20,000. And that was not their impression. He said it. And I said, and then he kind of kept going for like five minutes. And I took it back. And I said, I realize I think I caught you off guard with what I just said earlier. And I think it's just humanizing what you said. And he laughed. And I think as much as you can do that when they don't go well, whether it's they didn't understand pricing, they don't understand what your product does, If you don't understand what your product does, I think you can say, wow, we must have skipped a step. Let me help you understand what we do. And I, my understanding is your team is looking to solve X and we're going to help you accomplish that outcome, which is why your team has been spending the last six months evaluating our product. It's slowing down and humanizing yourself. And it goes back to the call prep. And what I do with my team is they send a doc to me beforehand with the intended outcome of the call, as well as all the conversations to date and what are the positive business outcomes we're going to help them solve. And if I have those things, I can go into this call and handle those gotcha moments a bit better than if I don't have the prep. Well, Marissa, the reason you were able to have this conversation is 
because you're having it one-to-one and you're not having it five-on-one. And a lot of people think you need to blob sell and bring the entire blob of people on your team to every single interaction. But the reason you are team selling is you're allowed to take parallel tracks in your deal. And by engaging with that executive one-to-one, We've had Ian Koniak on our podcast, top producer from Salesforce, a number of times. And he talks about this concept called yo-yo selling. And the reason that it's important that you do this is if you bring the executive into the weeds of an entire team jumps on every single call with them, they get deal fatigue and they kick you down to the team versus you can have your reps and your sales engineers handle all of the technical people, all of the champions, but then you can be the single thread that has the right to stay in touch with power. And you can call on that when people below the line might not be able to call on that thread. So, all right, you've done all this wonderful stuff. You've gotten to the end of the deal. You've got terms out there. And now the customer wants a discount. You guys do something sort of unique. Can you tell me about it? We do something a little unique. We do not discount at Figma and many a procurement team have gotten very upset with us at this point in the process. And one went to the extent to ask around and verify that in fact, we do not discount. So we, we are being honest when we say that it's hard. I think one of the things we've learned is setting expectations as early as you can, at least with your champion and EB if you've met them. So by the time the procurement team comes around, it it isn't a surprise, or if it is, our champion has our back. We also do not waver. So they we have been tested. Like Customers have pushed us to the very end of the quarter, and when we still do not waver, then they believe us. But we, we too get tested by our customers to see if we're being honest. So Marissa, like you, you talked about how people will hold you to the end of the quarter. Some people probably purposely let a deal slip, to test you because they think you might give a discount. And so how do you hold people accountable? And especially in enterprise deals, how do you make sure your deals don't slip when you cannot use commercials as a lever? Yes, it's tricky. One thing that's worked well for us is we give free access to our product in parallel with the legal process. And so we strongly believe you have the business track and you have the procurement track. And on the business track, they are in the proof of concept. They are in Figma. They are implementing their design system. The team is loving it. And we tell our champion, if we don't have a signature by X date, you are going to lose access. And for us, you never have that date be the end of the quarter. You always have that be like two or three weeks before the quarter ends. Otherwise, you are probably going to have your deal slip. And we know they typically do slip. So we say you are going to lose access if we don't have this finalized in time. They don't believe us. We tell the procurement team, this is going to happen. Like we have to have this done by this date. And when we don't hit that date, we do turn the access off. We give a lot of heads up notice it is really compelling. Otherwise, we are lockstep with our champion and we say, hey, we will keep your access back on, but we need to see a return draft by this date in order to keep this on. And we need a scheduled next call with your legal team. So we try to do certain things depending on the scenario. We always over communicate, but having that proof of concept in place has been really helpful for us to keep things on track uh, without having a discount. Marissa, this has been a killer episode, and I love how you hold your customer accountable all throughout the sales process. 
we are running out of time here and we got to move ourselves to the final question. And so the final question is this. We've talked about a lot of good things salespeople should be doing. Now let's talk about a shouldn't. And so the last question is, what's one bad habit you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? Yes, the bad habit I alluded to a bit before, but it is waiting until the end to introduce your EB versus starting with an EB connection at the very beginning of your deal, I think is something we all could do a better job of doing. Beautiful. Marissa, thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Marissa Bell include number one, a champion must have both influence and authority. Three ways you can suss that out are they agree to a weekly call, they bring in their boss, and they bring in cross-functional teammates. Number two, in a big team demo, you should be constantly DMing your internal team and getting them to ask the questions that you need to get answered. It means more when it comes from them. Number three, Handle your executive calls one-on-one. Do not send five people into the meeting with their CMO. It's a great way to get deal fatigue for that CMO and get kicked below the line. And then lastly, number four, use POCs and trials to manufacture urgency. Get them using the trial, but the moment they ask for continued usage, use that as leverage to get legitimate commitment on the deal. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out? You can help us out by submitting yourself to this test right here. There's a three-point checklist to see, are you a champion for 30 Minutes to President's Club? One, are you willing to bring in your boss? Are you willing to tell your boss, hey, I have been up-leveling my sales skills by listening to these guys interview world-class sellers? That's test one. Test two, do you bring in functional teammates, cross-functional, maybe not cross-functional, but are you telling your teammates about 30 Minutes to President's Club? And then three, are you subscribing to a weekly meeting, aka listening to the show every single month? If you are a true champion, you might do those things, or you might just join us next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Thanks for listening. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? 
If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. 